Previously on Myth Tarot Love, we examined the Nine of Swords and Phobos, the God of Fear. Today's show will focus on the Ten of Swords and the Battle of Todeberg. Myth and Tarot Where do the ideas go? Let's talk about stories, swords, and symbols, and all of the above. Myth, Tarot, Love Welcome to Myth, Tarot, Love, a show about ancient stories and new-aged wisdom. I'm Biddy, your expert in classics. And I'm Rose, your resident tarot practitioner. Welcome back, everybody. Hello. Uh, today we're talking about the Ten of Swords. Yay. It is <laughs> uh, the conclusion of the swords, and it is normally, I'm going to say, probably the most negative card in the deck. Oh, okay. I would say that <laughs> this card is normally less... Uh, People are less enthusiastic about getting this card once I tell them what it means. They're like, ooh, it's fine, um, that's good, right? No. No, no, it doesn't work that way. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah, so this is the conclusion of the sword suit. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and then afterwards we're, we enter into the court cards, of course. Right. But this is the conclusion of the story told by the swords. Mm-hmm. And it is one of utter defeat and devastation. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know... Uh, Although, of course, in tarot, there is no true ending to anything. Mm. Um, Every ending is also a new beginning, as we uh, discussed in the Major Arcana. Um, So similar similar cards to the Ten of Swords in the Major Arcana um, are Death, of course, which is Mm -hmm. a card of transformation. Um, And there's actually um, what looks like a dead man on on this card. Mm -hmm. I I say it looks like he's dead because there are ten stories. Ten swords that are stabbed into his back. Yeah, if he isn't yet, he will be soon. Yes. Actually, one of them looks like it's actually stabbed into his head. Yeah, so, so I, he's probably... I think he's good and gone. Yep. Um, so death is definitely in there. And, um, of course, a lot of the symbolism of death as well, mm-hmm. uh, which is that of transformation. Um, other, an, Another card that has kind of similar um, themes from the Major Arcana is also the Tower. Oh, yeah. Which we talked about, um, uh, the destruction of the ego and the destruction of perspective and a foundation being destroyed so that you can build anew. Mm-hmm. Um, and, of course, the world, which was the final card. Right. Um, and talked about how every completion of one story is the renewal of a new story. Mm. Right? So... All of, so these themes are, are very much present in the Ten of Swords. Um, first, let's just describe the card. Mm-hmm. So it's actually rather colorful. The first thing that I see when I look at it is, of course, the man who's lying in the foreground. Um, he's draped in a cloth of red, and it almost looks like pools of blood. Yeah. The way the cloth is. Oh, over top of him. him, yeah. Yeah. And there's one kind of underneath, or is it, that cloth? It could, it or could be a continuation of the cloth, but it's like the cloth and the blood are intermixed mm. and indistinguishable, mm. right? Um, so it's almost like he's being clothed in his defeat when I look at it that way, mm-hmm. um, as well as clothed in the, the life force that he had that was keeping him going is now uh, what's causing him to no longer be able to keep going. Uh, the, the swords are all stabbed into his back, and this is definitely um, part of the theme of betrayal as well. Mm, yeah. Um, to be stabbed in the back when you mm. when someone is stabbed in the back, you, normally that's uh, symbolism for 
for being betrayed by yeah. someone, uh, especially if it's someone close to you. Um, he's. I'm oh, sorry. It also seems a bit overkill. Pardon the pun. Yeah, really. But, it is. But overkill. like you could. I mean, you don't really need ten swords. Exactly. Any single one of these swords would have done the job. Yeah. But the fact that there's ten of them, it's like there is no. There is no way he could have survived this. No. Right. No, um. No. It very much is overkill. Um. However, he his face is turning towards um. The to, towards the the background. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna say so. Uh, to me, this tells me that you really should be looking at the background in this image, and it does have mm. a lot of symbolism as well. Um, immediately close to the body, you have uh, what looks like a lake, and it's very calm. Um, beyond the lake, you have some mountains, and you have this kind of golden horizon mm-hmm. um, in the distance. And then above that, you have some gray clouds and, of course, the night sky, which is all black. So you have kind of this this huge transition of colors into the unknown. Um, black very much is a color of the unknown and death mm-hmm. and transformation, um, as well as chaos, right? Right. But the fact that it is being broken by the yellow of the sky um, means it can either be a sunset or a sunrise, Although normally, uh, a lot of times I like to interpret this as a sunrise because I think of the Ten of Swords as being a conclusion, mm-hmm. right? So I say, okay, like, this is as bad as it can get, and now the sun is breaking. You've, yeah. you, you've suffered the night, and it was awful, and there were all these awful things, uh, but now the sun is rising, and there is a new horizon to be had, and there are... I would say the most positive thing you can get from this from the Ten of Swords is um, that there are lessons that you've learned, and uh, you can you can move forward and seek victory afterwards. Right? It's almost kind of like uh, the defeat was necessary in order to obtain future victories. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right? Interesting. Yeah. So I would say that's probably my most positive interpretation <laughs> of this card. But normally, when this card appears. I will ask the seeker to think of what the worst thing that could happen is, and that's probably what this card is representing. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, so, surprisingly, or maybe not surprisingly, this card actually shows up most most often in my readings um, in future cards yeah. positions, which is, you know, even which makes it even less desirable. That's what you want to hear, right? <laughs> exactly. I'm like, oh, this isn't going to end the way you think it's going to or this isn't going to end the way you want it to mm-hmm. um you know you think of all the things that the ace of swords promised right mm-hmm. and it the ace of swords also had this big threat involved with it yeah. as well and the ten of swords is really the completion of that threat it's the it's saying if you're seeking glory if you're seeking um great victory it doesn't come without risk and that risk really is the ten of swords um, this devastation and betrayal and defeat. Um, those who seek glory, or those who, who fly highest tend to fall hardest. Right, right yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, however, looking, like, I mentioned that the lake was very calm. Um, so by the time the Ten of Swords shows up, the the, the battle's over, right? Um, everything is over. The fact that the water is calm shows that the emotions are now much more stilled. Um, you know, you might be, you might be in this kind of grieving process, but at least there, there's at least the consolation that, um, you don't have to go through anything anymore. Um, I also take this 
part of this um, symbolism is as the swords being all facing downwards. Mm -hmm. None of them are facing to the left or the right anymore. Um, they're, right. they're completely, they're completely in the present, right? Mm -hmm. Saying everything has been completed. Like there's something very final about a sword being put into the, like facing downward and mm -hmm. stuck in the ground or in this case, a dead body. Yeah. Um, there's something very final about it, right? It's, it's no longer going to be used. Right. Uh, so those are, those are all very much symbols of, of the 10 of swords and it's representing the completion of the the whole sword suit. Yeah. Um, sometimes this card does show up as a helper. <laughs> yeah. And and how would you take it as a helper? Um, so in that case, like there was one time I did a reading for a person and the Ten of Swords showed up as a helper. And I thought that was really interesting. And I had to use some of the other cards to explain like what it was talking about. But in this particular case, um, what the message of that reading was uh, that if you... It, like in this case, it was a career related question, right? Mm -hmm. And the Ten of Swords showed up as a helper. And I was saying, oh, this means that you have to fail. Mm. You have to fail in this. Th there's going to be a moment in your career where you'll feel like you've completely failed, mm -hmm. right? And it's a necessary step in your, in your story, mm -hmm. right? It's a necessary step in this process. Um, but also it, it will, like this failure is what's going to teach you more about your passions and your career than anything else right, right. right um sometimes also it like when it shows up as a helper you can also interpret it as it's over right true yeah, yeah. Like hard the it's hard over times now are done yeah the hard times are done this is over and mm -hmm. you can move on now right so those those that kind of answer might show up for um for someone who's really grieving as well, or mm -hmm. someone who's been through something very traumatic, mm -hmm. um, the Ten of Swords, I think, would probably show up as a helper for them as well. Um, when it shows up as an obstacle, it's it's very clearly already an obstacle card. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, and it's, I think when it shows up as an obstacle, it's even more devastating because it's mm -hmm. saying, hey, guess what? This thing that you're working towards, um, it's not going to go well. Yeah. It's not going to go well. It's going to be awful. And the the anguish and despair that's involved in the Ten of Swords is different than the anxiety that was, dis that was warned by the Nine of Swords. Mm -hmm. Like, it's kind of like the Nine of Swords was, was warning you about everything terrible that would happen in the Ten of Swords, huh. right? Um, and sometimes people get really stuck in that emotion um, and just the despair that's involved in the Ten of Swords, right? And they're not able to see the horizon. They're not able, they're, all they see is the dark of night and all of these swords that are stuck in them and they don't know how to move on from that, Yeah. right? Um, so when that shows up as a as an obstacle, I think that's probably kind of what it's des describing is this inability to see anything but a conclusion. Mm. Yeah, hmm. it's uh, either way, it's it's always a really difficult card to have to deal with, but it's part of life as well. It's, uh, yeah. Um, anyway, so we're talking about... Sorry, um, I'm like <laughs> nodding and no one can see me nodding, which doesn't help. We're talking about the Battle of... Uh, I don't know if we're going to say I'm not going to say right. Tudorberg. Tudorberg, yes. Yes. 
Exactly, yeah. <laughs> so this is um, real battle that happened um, for the yeah. Romans. Um, a Roman the, ten of swords. A Roman ten of swords, yes. I'm like, there is lots of battles. I'm sure there is one where they were annihilated, and sure <laughs> enough, there is. Of course. All right. <laughs> of course, yes. So, Well, misery loves company, so do tell. Okay, <laughs> I will, will do. So um, this battle happened in the summer of 9 CE, um, which is common era or AD, however you prefer, mm-hmm. um, whereby Varus, so he was the Roman uh, general commander, um, set out from his camp um, near the uh, Wesser River with three Roman legions, um, as well as six cohorts of auxiliary troops, three squadrons of cavalry. So that's this total to about 1,500, uh, sorry, 15,000 to 18,000 men. So not a small amount of people. Um Along with these men, you also had family members and camp followers that came with them um, and German auxiliaries. So this is about maybe another 10,000 people as well on top of that. Wow. So when the attack... a lot of people in that time, right? Yeah. Oh, even now, I think that, like, if we said, you know, 20,000 troops are going to go somewhere, like, that's a significant amount for sure. Um, So they were going to... um, did I say that? Yeah, no, I didn't. So they, they were going um, to Germany to attack um, the indigenous Germans there. Mm-hmm. Um, when the attack came by the Germans, the unsuspecting Roman, Romans and their wagons, um, because they were strung out over a considerable distance, so they weren't marching in combat formation. They were kind of, I think they were spread out about 15 to 20 kilometers. Wow. Um interspersed with camp followers um, in the Teutonberg forest. So that's where this is getting its name. So it appears that the Romans marched right into an ambush. Uh, the German attackers numbered between 20,000 to 30,000 men. So they were outnumbered they like were, two or three to one. Yes. Um, and these men also held the high ground. So not only were they more, they had a better position and that was their native land their native country so they knew it much better than the romans did yeah um as well there were also marshes on either side making it difficult um so that the traditional roman tactics couldn't really be applied in this sort of terrain um with the marshes there um the romans positions was also made worse by strong wind and rain as well as narrow and muddy tracks so not helpful. Everything was against them. <laughs> Everything was against Everything them. Everything that could go wrong did. Yes. Um, Varus, again, the Roman commander, also apparently neglected to send out a reconnaissance party ahead of the troops to kind of see what's going on, what's the situation, which also made things more difficult. So the first day that the Germans engaged um, in battle, it was more hit-and-run attacks. So kind of, I, I don't know, I think of like guerrilla warfare, <laughs> yeah. almost like this, um, causing significant Roman casualties. Um, Arminius, who was the German commander, as a result of his Roman education, understood the en- his enemy's tactics um, and was able to direct his troops to counter them effectively, um, again, by using the superior numbers um, against the dispersed Roman legions. Yeah, they were unorganized. They didn't know what they were doing. They, yeah. Um, therefore, that evening, the Romans um, retreated into the original fortifications, um, but as they retreated, they came upon another trap, <laughs> and oh, basically over several days, um, the three legions were slaughtered. 
So only a handful of soldiers actually managed to escape um, to a nearby Roman base, um, at which point Varus and his offer officers preferred to commit suicide rather than to be taken by the German soldiers. Um, wow. So indeed, the Germans sacrificed um, the 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 people that they did capture um, as part of their indigenous religious ceremonies, and apparently they were cooked and their bones were used for the rituals. Oh. Uh, yeah. Other... I don't know much about indigenous German people, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it, everyone has their own... Um, History. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, others, other people that, that they had um, were either ransomed or enslaved, the ones that they took. So despite several successful campaigns and raids by the Romans... Okay, so this is the end of basically this battle... Yeah. Destroyed, annihilated. Everyone dies, pretty Everyone much, dies, except for, like, maybe taken. a few to tell the tale. Exactly. And then they committed suicide anyways. Yes. Yeah. Um, so, dis after this, despite several successful attempts and raids by the Romans in the years after the battle, um, they never again attempted to conquer their, the Germanic territories east of the Rhine River. So, the victory of the Germanic tribes against the Roman legions in the Teutonberg Forest would have far-reaching effects on the subsequent history of both the ancient Germanic peoples and the Roman Empire. Um, also, contemporary modern histori historians have generally regarded um, this victory, um, Arminius's victory over Varus, as Rome's greatest defeat right. and as one of, the, one of the most decisive battles recorded in military history and a turning point in world history. Because they had been engaging in battles before this, definitely. Yeah. Um, they wanted to take over. <laughs> like um, the whole world. The whole, well, yes. <laughs> but um, especially that that area that they occupied. But after this, it was like, okay, no, this is where we're going to end. They'll, like like I said, they tried here and there, but nothing. So um, this was kind of like where the Roman Empire decided to stop? In in that area. I, I mean, they continued. Um, in other areas. In other areas. But yeah. that's as, as far as they didn't as try they to take the there. Germans again. No. Um if this is interesting, I wanted to mention um, a book that I came across. Uh, if you kind of like this and want to learn more about it, um, there's a really good book called Rome's Greatest Defeat, Massacre in the Teutonberg Forest by Adrian Murdoch, um, which talks about the battle itself, the historical background, and the personalities involved and the implications of the defeat. Yes. If this is something that well, that's you a, are Well, that's a great into. representation of the Ten of Swords. Right? Like, especially when you, you think about the Ten of Swords in terms of a completion of all of the lessons learned in the sword mm -hmm. suit. Right? Like, you have um, you have your first Ace of Swords where we talked about the glory that could be achieved through the power of the swords. Mm -hmm. um, and remember that swords always represent logic and power, like, and being dual wielded if you will yeah. <laughs> like it's a double edge right a, yeah. a double edge of logic uh, and truth versus mm -hmm. uh power and i'm gonna say almost arrogance yeah. <laughs> right? there's a lot of yeah. arrogance and a lot of swords all cards. ego almost. yeah ego it's like the ego um and glory and yeah. power um but also abusing that power mm -hmm. right and then in the Two of Swords, there was this idea of ignorance and being a stalemate due to igno ignorance. And you get that a little bit 
um, in this story because they were they're kind of ignorant to what the Germans were capable of. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then in the Three of Swords, um, gotta remember what the Three of Swords looks like. <laughs> Sometimes I forget. <laughs> That's fair. I'm gonna go back. I'll just three get my, of Swords. Get my <laughs> what did we talk about here? Oh right, play. it's the heart. It's the it's the, Ooh, the it's heart. Pain. Yeah, with the three yeah. swords stabbing the three swords oh, stabbing yeah. the heart. Yeah. Okay. So you've got that. You see, this is this is thing. People often ask me, um, how can you remember all of those cards? And like, well, I'm I'm more remembering the images, right? <laughs> so, it helps the visual helps to spark your memory. Exactly, yeah. and the visual has all of these symbols in there, mm -hmm. and it's kind of like the cards have a story, right? Like a, a picture tells a thousand words yeah. kind of thing right and you, so when I look at images I get I get the story of what that card means right, right? so I have this heart it's pierced with three swords you know it's talking about the pain mm -hmm. um then the four of swords was this retreat there is a retreat in this story as well there a small is retreat yeah um and then of course the five of swords was um the perspective of going from the victor to the loser and right um, yeah and and kind of being tricked out of a victory mm -hmm. a little bit right so uh kind of going through all the cards yeah. there's definitely a little bit of each of these elements in and the ultimate defeat yeah of Tudorberg right it's interesting exactly and that's that's kind of what the ten of swords is trying to say as well is that everything you've done in the swords all of those the lessons culmination exactly this is what leads to an ultimate defeat mm, right there mm -hmm. are defeats before like they're the halfway through point like yeah. at the five of swords you could have been on the on the winner's side or the loser's side but it wasn't quite done yet mm -hmm. when you by the time you get to the ten of swords it's done <laughs> yeah well even the eight of swords like when i talk about the battle of actium which was a defeat but it was more about like Getting, getting out. Yeah, getting out of it. Getting finding a way it. out of your defeat. Like they were able yeah. to get out, whereas this, no. There's there's no way out yeah. um, once you get to the Ten of Swords. And the thing is, there's so many warnings before you get to this point. Right. Um, sometimes, like, and this is kind of one of the reasons why I sometimes see it as a sunset, right? Mm. Because sometimes uh, the only thing you can do is look at all of the lessons and all of the warnings that you ignored on your way to ultimate defeat. And that doesn't, of course, with tarot, there's no ultimate ending, but I would say the Ten of Swords gets to, gets closest. Gets closest. So to would an ultimate ending. all, uh, like from the Ace to the Ten of Swords, could they all be seen as warning cards? Almost? In a way. Yeah. In a way there's a, well, there's a warning to be had in almost every card mm -hmm. as we've kind of talked about right. the, the positives and the negatives that could be associated with each card. Um, but when it comes to the swords, um, there's a lot of there's a lot more danger involved mm -hmm. in ignoring these warnings because they do involve so much power. Right. Right. And you know, there's a lot of there's a lot of power to be had with the concepts of truth and using logic. And that and logic is arguably one of humanity's greatest tools. Mm -hmm. Right? We're we're capable of imagining things beyond reality. And that's, that's huge, right? And that's very much the, the whole concept of what sword, the swords are trying to represent is all the ways that um, your use of mind can be used for both good and power, um, 
but also used for negatives as well, such as abusing that power and, um, you know, finding arrogance and and uh, ultimately creating pain for others and yourself, mm -hmm. right? Um, so once you get to that Ten of Swords card, it sometimes does also, it, it's kind of like it's just digging that blade a little bit deeper by yeah. saying you were warned. <laughs> <laughs> we you, told you this could happen. We told you this could happen when you seek glory. Um, there's, there's a specific way that you should be doing it and it's, it can't be seeking glory for yourself, right? Mm. Like you sh one of the, one of the aspects is to not be selfish, right? Mm. Uh, which is something we haven't talked too much about in, in the, these cards, but you do get to talk a little bit about it in the court cards. Mm. Um, cause this, the court cards tend to be, um, characters who use the sword cards, like the, the power of the swords for good rather than negative. Okay. Um, you so know, they're, they're complex. Good. <laughs> well, in general, they're complex people. They yeah. can, you know, they can use them for negatives as mm -hmm. well. Um, but generally, the court cards uh, represent kind of the idealized version of how to use the swords, mm. right? And I think that's kind of an interesting aspect because in the previous suits, we've seen kind of this story and it's almost like the suit cards themselves were idealized. Mm -hmm. um, and then the court cards had these dynamics to them. Right, right. right? Whereas this is almost the opposite. It's almost the reverse, mm -hmm. yeah, where you have the... the the suit cards of the swords are all very um, warning, uh, very much warning you about the dangers of, of abusing power, and it ultimately leans, leads to this ultimate defeat card, which mm -hmm. is the Ten of Swords, as de described very well by the defeat of Teutonberg. <laughs> <laughs> I keep saying Teutonberg, but it's Teutoberg. Teutoberg, yes. Yeah. Um, and then in the court cards, you have these more idealized characters who are logical and passionate and um yeah maybe a lot less a lot less ruled by their emotions just put, they're they're i'm going to say they're stoic okay they yeah. kind of they have a lot of the same uh characteristics that are idealized by stoic philosophers yeah all right uh so we're going to be looking at that next week with, mm -hmm. the, with the page of swords yeah a little yeah. bit okay. under time today but yeah, we're good. Happens. I think we talk quickly. <laughs> yeah, we're getting we're getting to be faster and faster talkers. Yes. Um, well, if you liked our show, please give us a comment or uh, uh, recommend it to your friends. It's always fun. Yes, <laughs> exactly. It's the cheapest, easiest way to help support us. Is just yeah, let tell your friends. Listen. Um, you can subscribe. That what if you subscribe, you'll get it um, every single week. Um, You'll get a little notification. Exactly. Uh, another way to do so is you can support us on Patreon. Um, we're just patreon.com slash mythtarotlove. And we actually have a new a Patreon subscriber. So thank you, thank you, Daniela, so, so much. Shout out to you. We, we love you. We love you. We appreciate it um, so, so much. And, yeah. Um, All right. So next okay. week we're going to look at the Page of Swords. And uh, before that, though... Mm -hmm. We have to finish this episode. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, so our words of wisdom were inspired by the American Tarot Association, but they actually come from the Bible in Matthew twenty six fifty two. For all they that take the sword shall perish with the sword. Myth and tarot, where do they?
talk about stories, swords, and symbols, and all of the above. Myth, terror.